there's incredible power in our interpersonal relationships and our connections in, in terms of community and families. We are each other's best medicine. This is the Brother Be Well podcast. We focus on the mental health needs of boys and men of color. We bring real talk and deliver life hacks to real trauma so we can be our best selves. This podcast series is brought to you by Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. Hello, my name is Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director for Brother Be Well, and I want to welcome you to the platform today. Um, This is the final of our broad questions, and then we're going to get into a few targeted questions for each of you. If you would indulge me, I'm going to kind of put you each on the spot in a second with a couple of targeted questions. But the final of the broad ones for the group, and and I've been dying to talk to you to ask you guys this question. Um, As I started to think about the barriers to mental health and and my own community, the African-American one, it began to occur to me that maybe, just maybe, the, the strength and resilience of that community, of the Native community, which frankly I think has has the African American just slightly uh, trumped. I think I can use the word trump now without uh, causing an allergic reaction. But I I think that the 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 strength and resilience of the African American community since 1619 for 250 years we dealt with some atrocities and we all know what they are. We don't have to repeat them. We came out of that, and then we had another 150 years of everything from Jim Crow and Reconstruction to Black Lives Matter and Knees on Necks, and we made it through all of that. And I wondered if somehow that very strength and resilience has contributed to the stigma, if that fed into, you know, when when one of your kids is struggling and you maybe see they're going through, if historically we have said we can do this, we've always done it, power through it you know, boys don't cry, you got to man up, if that strength and resilience has inadvertently fed into stigma. And then I wondered if that might be the case across all of the different ethnic groups. So I just want to throw that out. Am I out of my mind with that question? Or maybe am I on to something there? And I, I think I saw Julio, you not when I said I'm, out of, I'm not out of my mind. So why don't you start out? Take, take, us, take, us, take us into that, Julio. I don't think you're out of your mind. I think that I shared before that I believe that the strength and the resilience we have is not in spite of what we all have experienced in our different communities, but because of what we have experienced, right? So unfortunately, the message has been kind of like, we went through harder times. You should be able to carry on. There's no time to stop, but piggyback uh, piggybacking in what we talked about before, about not seeing like my physical health, my spiritual, mental health siloed, and see it more in a holistic approach. I think that has also given us opportunity in the Black community, the Native community, the Latinx community to stop a little bit, right? And be, okay, what is the work that we have to do? What happened with all this historical trauma and all these atrocities that we have experienced? And many times when we have finally the opportunity to stop and we are not in that constant survival mode, something in here goes, it's time for me to come out and address what is going on, mm. right? And that's the beauty of this moment, right? There's places like this. There's conversations everywhere happening about how do we handle it? How do we remove the stigma? And this is it. 
removing the stigma by recognizing that we don't have to continue to power through and suffer in silence. We have the ability to communicate and to be of service to one another and talk about what is causing me pain. Mm -hmm. I have to break that pattern of behaviors in the hopes that the next generation is going to be a, better, a lot better off than my generation was, mm -hmm. not carrying the continuous message of, if I suffer, you're able to continue to suffer. And I think that's what we need to do. Stop seeing like all the things as, well, you're just expressing yourself that way because you're an angry black person, because yeah. you don't know how to communicate, because as Native people, you guys want retributions. It's about time for us to have the ability to say, I'm not the result of your expectation and your biases. I am resilient because of everything that I experienced, and it's time to heal. Mm -hmm. I, I got a chill as you were talking, so I'm going to throw it yeah. to Cherie. I saw a lot of nods there, Julio. Cherie, I think you might have something you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I, I actually just posted on my social media in light of cancel culture. Can we please cancel the strong black woman? Like, we could throw mm -hmm. that hang, let's hang that up. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that it has perpetuated a lot of stigma and stereotypes and really creates this unwanted pressure um, on Black women in particular. And it almost sends the signal to people that, you know, and it, it perpetuates even some of the, like the atrocities in history, why they did experiments on Black women, why still till this day, Black women are undertreated for uh, pain when they're in the hospital, why they are dying during childbirth, while their their babies are dying. People have this overwhelming feeling that we should be fine and don't take us seriously when we are experiencing something. And I think that that surely contributes because people feel that way. Uh, in fact, I had a personal experience. My therapist retired, so I was like looking for a therapist. And the first person I spoke with was just telling me how strong I was. And I kind of had to stop her there. And I said, you know, you know, you don't know that I'm strong. That's your perception. And I said, maybe based on your unconscious bias, and I was able to call that out, have an honest conversation with that person. But it's there's surely that piece of the puzzle that I think we have to address. Um, and as Julio said, be able to you know take that moment and pause and um, know that it's okay to not be strong in that moment when you don't have the strength or to rely on those communities um, around you as well. I would say even now there's a lot of racism in um, going on towards the Asian community and there's a lot of anti-Asian rhetoric um, and they are kind of silently suffering. I was talking to one of my colleagues about it today where it's not even getting as much steam or um, publicity as some of the other uh, persons of color and issues that are going on, but it doesn't decrease the impact in the Asian community and what's happening, but it's because of stigma around who can handle what, how it should be, or who has what advantage, that it really causes an issue um, across the continuum of persons of color. Wow. Dr. Tan, I've got a couple of uh, pointed questions for you coming up, but I, uh, uh, Cherie just mentioned the silent suffering in the Asian Pacific Islander community, and I, I'd be remiss not to give you a chance to address that if you'd like to. Yeah, I think it's been very painful. And, um, you know, to, to speak to the question about strength and resilience, there's there's a saying that my parents used to tell me 
when um, when we experience adversity. Um, in Vietnamese, it's toi chiu di, which basically means, uh, oh, just persevere, mm-hmm. persevere and get through it. And, um, and, you know, a lot of times that's what we did. We persevered through, um, you know, trauma. We persevered through starvation. We persevered and, and we got through it. But, um, um, and, and I think that's what a lot of um, Asian American uh, Pacific Islander families are, are doing uh, these days as well. Um, and, you know, there, there's also the model minority myth that also um, contributes to this, um, this uh, you know, both the silence and the, um, the, uh, uh, the rest of society is not really seeing um, the, the pain that Asian Americans go through. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one thing that strength and resilience um, in communities of color is a, is a wonderful and important thing. But what it what it um, what it can do for those who observe the resilience of our uh, people of color is that um, the rest of society becomes complacent and absolves, you know, washes uh, washes the hands of responsibility and say, oh, well, that community's got it. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're 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 doing it. They're surviving. They're 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 doing it on their own, and so. You know, we don't really need to to um, to have more culturally humble uh, services. We don't need to improve access in, uh, to hard to reach communities. And I think so. So um, so I think that that that's part of the structural uh, stigma that that happens. And, um, you know, the responsibility uh, lays not not just uh, not in the, the communities of color to address, because, you know, our our folks. We're, we're doing our best with the limited resources that uh, that we have, and it's the folks who have the resources, who have the decision making powers, that need to look beyond the resilience, which is wonderful in our communities, and to look at the reasons why we have to be resilient mm-hmm. to the to the traumas that that we're dealing with, and not to um, absolve, uh, you know. Uh, be absolved of the responsibility to make those changes. I like that imagery a lot. Not not to be absolved. I'm repeating what you're saying so I can remember it later. Not to allow others to absolve themselves from responsibility for making change. Really profound. I really appreciate it. While you've got the floor, Dr. Tan, let's get into a couple of questions specifically about the API community. I'm wondering from your perspective, how has that community or has that community advanced notions about mental health? Um, through the work that we're doing with Brother We Well, we've learned from our API brothers that a lot of there's a lot of pressure on them because some of those notions haven't advanced. And I'd like you to touch on those a little bit. We, we have already, but very specifically about your community, which of those beliefs are still intact, which ones have faded away, and talk about some of the positive changes that may have come about over the years, if you can. Yeah, I, I think that there there's still quite a bit of stigma in um, in the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. Um, you know, just to give you some some numbers, just straight off, um, uh, Asian Pacific Islanders are three times less likely to treat to seek mental health. Um, so uh, we're the community that uh, is least likely to seek mental health treatment. Um, some of those are are related to you know uh, uh, we don't want to bring shame to our family. You know, um, having um, having mental health conditions may be um, perceived as as uh, you know others have said being weak, 
of complaining. So going to therapy and talking about your problems can be can be um, seen as complaining about your family, complaining about your loved ones, complaining about your conditions, which which in um, many API uh, cultures is um, is uh, frowned upon, um, bringing dishonor to your family. And then there's the, the there's the karmic or the spiritual aspect too. That um, if you have a mental health uh, condition, it's something that your parents did that um, that you sort of inherited and, and it's manifesting that um, that moral um, sin or maybe, you know, ancestors uh, generations ago as well. Um, so that sense of family, which is often a, a powerful resilience factor within API communities, can um, can have, uh, you know, the uh, the other side of the coin being um, a pressure to uh, to not uh, shame the family and um, uh, cause the family to lose uh, standing. But I think that things have uh, changed um, and we are seeing some improvements. Um, we have wonderful API leaders, elders in the community, faith uh, leaders, community advocates that are really sharing the importance of, um, of talking about these things. I think as well, the recognition of racism, stigma and trauma helps to place the um, the, some of the major root causes of mental illness, mental health conditions outside of the moral and individual uh, person to the the, the um, inequitable circumstances that um, that Asian Pacific Islanders and, and I would say other communities as well have experienced. We know that trauma is um, underlies a lot of um, of mental health distress. And this growing recognition that um, that 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 is is happening, um, I think, really brings um, a sense of relief and confirmation of the experience that um, API uh, members uh, uh, have about uh, about the, the the distress. I'll say that um, you know to to say a little bit about the anti Asian um, and Pacific Islander hate. There's been a rise. A nineteen thousand percent rise in hate uh, reports of hate crime in the past year, and just um, you know, for, for many of us, uh, wow. this past week was um, a week of celebration of Lunar New Year's, and um, we've been warned by officials not to go out or to be very careful to go out uh, because uh, there's been uh, a, a series of assaults mm -hmm. on on Asian American Pacific Islander elders. And that hits, um, that hits home to us because our elders are so revered in our, our community. And that kind of um, uh, racism has really heightened people's anxiety and depression. There's also been um, fears, um, especially early on in the pandemic, that um, for, for Asian Americans who, wear, who wore masks, they experience um, uh, being discriminated against more. So you can see how that actually affected their ability to protect themselves and their families. Um, so, so I, I think that um, while while there has been a lot of work that's been done, uh, certainly in these uh, recent times, these the level of stress um, and fear in the Asian American and Pacific Islander community has, has grown by, uh, leaps and, and, and bounds. 
you really uh, you you read my mind and got right into you weave my second question right into that first question, Doctor Tan. So now I understand why people speak so highly of you, sir. I'm meeting you tonight for the first time. I really appreciated that answer because you got at some of those you know the incredible underutilization of, of mental health services among the API community. Uh, I forget. I think it was you, Cherie, who began to touch on the, the blatant violence and racism toward that API community. I was going to ask you about that, too. So I appreciate the panel's help in, in keeping us rolling and keeping us on schedule today. Thanks for your thoughtfulness there, Dr. Tan. Uh, Dr. Hagen, you're up next, if you would, or if you're ready for us. I want to know if you'll speak to the overwhelming lack, and I'm going to try not to, to reveal my own bias in this, the overwhelming lack of programs and services addressing the mental health needs of the African-American community. I'm talking about services and places being culturally congruent, being affirming. We've talked about them already. How do we fix this? That's a, it's an enormous gap between what we need and where we're at. So how do we bridge that gap, if you will? And, um, you know, can you, can you talk about that? I'm not just talking about individuals, but I'm talking about jurisdictions and systems and even counties that are falling short of what we need. Can you, can you, you know, wade us into these waters and help us unpack this a little bit? Sure. But what a big question, right? That is huge. <laughs> so let me just start with this quote that um, I think uh, aligns with what you said, and it's by C. Vestal. And they said, being black is bad for your health and pervasive racism is the cause. Right? Wow. That being black is bad for your health and pervasive racism is the cause. And so when we think about that, we're talking about institutional systemic issues that have been going on, as you mentioned, for hundreds of years. So I don't have, right, in the few minutes that I have to respond to your question, the answer to what that looks like. What I do know is that we need to keep doing some of the work that's already in place. Um, being able to, as Dr. Tan was speaking about, understand the impact of um, racism, and in particular, anti-Black racism on, on Black bodies and our experiences intergenerationally and collectively. And so that may mean um, conversations like this, understanding education around it, um, continuing to collect and um, look at numbers and, and track data around what is shifting and changing in terms of health and care and access and so forth. Um, I think also being aware that there are services that are needed specifically for black people. Um, one of the things that I do is I'm a founder, as you mentioned at the beginning, of Safe Black Space, uh, Community Healing Circles, which is a, a support and a service specifically for people of African ancestry, recognizing as we're talking about this kind of traumatic history that is still present for us. Um, and so there are times in which, again, we may need someone who looks like us or looks like me, who gets me to be a part of that healing process. Um, and so part of it, again, like I said, is understanding at all these different systems and levels, there needs to be understanding of these issues and then education around it. And then, as I was saying earlier, um, being able to expand the workforce so that it's representative of people across the board, right, in terms of ethnicity and, and difference. Um, what else? There's probably more I could say. But oh, there... that was quite a lot. Very, that, very, that was a great um, survey of everything that needs to be done. We've got our work cut out for us. That's, that's pretty clear to me. Would you agree? Me too. I want to add one more thing, if you don't mind. One of my, one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Theopia Jackson, she's a president, current president of the Association of Black Psychologists. 
she she often talks about or, or has used this phrase of we are we are our own medicine we are each other's best medicine um and so kind of understanding that that is part of the process as well that there are of course uh, experts and um, professionals that can provide assistance and support as we're talking about mental health and stigma but also recognizing that there's incredible power in our interpersonal relationships and our connections and in terms of community and families and with each other as well so as we heal ourselves we can heal each other thank you thank you very much thank you very much and that wraps up another episode of brother be well get ready for text and email alerts on more great things happening later this month i'm leon gidry Check us out next time for more mental health and wellness inspiration. Until then, stay up, family.